Would you stand with me? We're going to worship the Lord together. We're going to sing to our Jesus, who came and died, was resurrected on the third day so that we could spend eternity with him. Amen? Sing this first verse. The God of creation. The God of creation took our place. The God of redemption opened the way. The day you gave your life seemed a failure in our eyes. But the story rolled away as you walked out of that grave. Let this place erupt with. Why do you look for the living among the Changes everything. The God of perfection. The God of perfection became sin. The God of salvation changed everything. The day, the day you gave your life seemed a failure in our eyes. But the storm was rolled away as you walked out of that grave. Let this place erupt with grace. Why do you look for the living among the graves? Jesus lives, hold the earth sing out. The power of death. Come on, we have one hope in Jesus. Because you live, our song will never end. Because you live, now we can live. This changes everything. This change, come on, sing it out. Because you live.
Jesus leaves us, when Jesus said, I leave you with my spirit, he went up to the Father. I was thinking about this the other day. I was actually, I've actually been thinking about it for, for a little while. We were sitting at um, this songwriting session, and one of our speakers, we sometimes will have speakers in the morning that kind of mark us and lead us, give us some direction for the day. And one of, my, one of the speakers uh, asked us to write songs about the Holy Spirit that didn't just ask the Spirit to do a bunch of stuff. But to write songs about the Spirit that actually praise the Spirit as God, like rightly. Because sometimes we act as if when Jesus said, I leave you with my Spirit, that he just left us with the function of God, like the app. You know, Father, Son, and app. But he didn't leave us with just the function of himself. He left us with himself. And so... We failed that day. We didn't get to write those songs. But I've been looking for those songs ever since. And we're about to sing one of the ones that I found because the Lord connects his church. Did you know that? That like in different parts of the world, God could be speaking the same things to a lot of people. And so we found this song. It's called The Dove. I love it because it's called The Dove. And it praises the spirit as God. And we're going to sing that. The chorus is really simple. Um, so I'm not going to teach it. But you'll get it when we, when we sing it. Yeah. Praise you, God. Help us to see you rightly. Praise you rightly. God was there with the beginning, spirit brooding like a dove. Spoke the earth into existence, formed creation that he loved. Man was born of perfect image, made to be a friend of God, meant to dwell within his presence, yes, yeah, where we all belong. Holy Spirit, all we need is more of you. All we need is more of you. We want more of you again. Holy Spirit, can you lift your hands all over the room and say, all we need is more, all we need is more of you, we want more of you. When sin has spoiled creation, the creator sent a flood, on the cusp of new beginning, he again released the dove. And after all the searching, he found a place to land on Christ, the perfect son who would redeem it all again. And looking for branches, he landed on the vine, the one for our redemption.
Wash me clean. Let the dove of heaven rest upon the Christ in me. Make that your prayer. Let the dove of heaven rest upon the Christ in me. Holy Spirit, come and rest upon the Christ in me. Holy Spirit, come on. The truth.
come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Will you ask him tonight? Oh, we. sense the Lord saying tonight that we can have as much of him as we want but we have to make the decision scripture says that Jesus gives the spirit without measure limit without measure or without limit so we can come in tonight and go this is kind of cute this is fun we're at church that's great and get out of here and we have wasted our time Or we can come in at 648, make a decision. Let's go. (laughs) Pour out your spirit here, Lord. Have your way here, Lord. We need you here, Lord. We're desperate for you. We we ache for you. We call on the name of Jesus and we long for the spirit. So I'm just going to kind of provoke you for one second. I'm going to get off the stage. We're going to keep singing. But you can have as much of the spirit tonight as you want. And the decision is up to us tonight. So I invite you to press in here in these next few minutes. Say, come Holy Spirit. All we need say, all we need is more of, we want Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit, the helper and the healer.
Come on, church. They do sing it out. You lead it. Come on. scrap the offering here for a bit. I'll just trust you to sort that out online. You guys know how to do this. We're going to create a ministry time here instead. And I sense that some of you go, yeah, I do need the Holy Spirit. Like right now, desperately, some, this is a moment I need, I need a fresh outpouring. Some of you are just tired. Like your soul, I'm not talking like physically tired. I'm talking like soul tired. Like you need the fresh outpouring of the oil of heaven on your life to heal you. And there's, there's, sleep can help you. Sleep can't heal you to the depths of your being like the oil of God's spirit can, okay? So I'm talking like you need the outpouring of the spirit to like touch you to the deepest places. You need refreshment. You need courage. You need divine wisdom. Like if you just need a fresh outpouring of the spirit in this season and you're like, hey, I want to raise my hand. I want someone to lay hands on my shoulder. Like if that's you, I see hands going up all over the room. So those of you who have strength to give tonight, those of you who have courage to give tonight, those of you who have faith to give tonight, I want you to start moving out and and find someone. Just the rule is don't be weird. Just put your hand on their shoulder and speak the life of God, okay? So let's pray for each other right now and ask for a fresh outpouring. Come on, let's stir it up here tonight. We say, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Fall fresh on us. Fall fresh on us fall fresh on us. Open heaven over us tonight, Lord. We need a fresh outpouring. We cannot live without your power. We cannot live without your courage. We cannot live without your friendship, Holy Spirit. We cannot live without your love. We cannot live without your wisdom. And so, Lord, you hear the cry of your people tonight. You see the hungry heart. You see the weary soul. And we're saying, Lord, pour your spirit out on this place tonight. I pray for the gift of tears for those who need the gift of tears. I pray for the joy, for laughter, for those who need the joy of the Lord to be their strength. I do pray for sweet sleep for those who've lost sleep. Lord, pour out your spirit here tonight. Come on, let's pray as we sing. Come on, church. Oh, we are not. 
Can you pray this by faith and can you ask for daily bread? Let's pray these words by starting with the greatest word we could say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Can we give God thanks for what he's already doing in the room tonight? So as I said, that was the worst offering in history, uh, the worst offering call. So you can take care of business online. You know how to do it. Boxes in the back. But before we open the scriptures, and we've got a really important text here tonight, and I'm really asking the spirit to speak. Before we do that, would you just be kind to one another? You know the drill, two minutes. Take, take some time, hug a neck, shake a hand, say hi to the people around you, welcome them, and then I'll come open the Bible. One, two, three, be nice.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I need to be in God's presence tonight. I mean, we always need to be in God's presence. There's weeks where you just go, yeah, what else would I be doing? This is one of those weeks. So thank you for joining me, joining us. Uh, Can we thank our worship team for leading us so beautifully tonight? Such a gift. I will never take them for granted. I, I get to go around the world and I see how blessed we are here. So I hope you know that too. Um, this is week 12 going through our series in 1 Kings and we're in 1 Kings chapter 18. And if you've read the Bible before or, or dropped into this story, it's, it's a wild one. If you haven't, buckle up. It's gonna be a blast. Uh, what I'm gonna do is read you 24 verses. So it's, it's a story. It's a great narrative track that I want to take you on. So like last week I said, you remember going to the library as a little kid and there was that perfect librarian who had that perfect voice and she would sit there with the book or he would sit there and read you. I just want you to get lost in a story tonight and open up your heart, open up your imagination and let the spirit speak to us tonight. So I'm going to read you this text and then I'll pray and we'll jump in here. The word of the Lord, first Kings chapter 18 says in verse 16, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab, the king of Israel, and he told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So Ahab found out that the prophet Elijah was in town. He had been looking to kill him, and Obadiah has a meeting with the prophet Elijah and brokers a deal with the king and the prophet. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and you followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel, the king did, and he assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver? Can you say waver? How long will you waver? Another translation in the Hebrew is how long will you limp? How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then serve him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were quiet. Next verse, then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bowls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and put it on the wood, but I will not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Yeah, that's great. Very good. Yes, I like that. It's good. It's good. Strange, but good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first since there are so many of you. Go for it. Give you a head start. Call in the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and they prepared it. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, 6 a.m. to noon, six hours of shouting at the heavens. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. (laughs) 
And they danced around the altar that they had made. Baal, answer us. At noon, Elijah goes, you tired yet? We good? He began to taunt them. Hey, shout louder, guys. I don't think he can hear you. Surely he is a God. I mean, perhaps he's deep in thought or perhaps he's busy or perhaps he's on a journey. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened louder, guys. Let's go for it. So they shouted louder and they slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed, self-flagellation, just Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening. So now they've gone into like nine hours, 10 hours, 11 hours. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, the people of Israel. So the prophets, he's kind of walked away from. He says, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two sayas of seed. And he arranged the wood, and he cut the bull into pieces, and he laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, fill four large jars with water, and pour it on the offering and on the wood. And they did it. And he said, do it again. And they did it again. And do it again a third time, he ordered. And they did it the third time. So four jars times three. How many, how many jars? Twelve, right? Twelve stones for the twelve tribes of Israel and twelve jars of water. And like he's, he's like bringing the people of God back before God to make a sacrifice to get the people of God back. Do you see this? The twelve tribes. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, you see the other other prophets, nine, ten hours. He steps forward, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. (sighs) Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, like everything's going up. Stones and the soil and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal, don't let anyone get away. This is the word of the Lord, and all God's people said, dang. Let's pray, let's pray. Answer us, Lord. You know what we need from heaven tonight. You know how we come in tonight. I don't know, we don't know, you know. And so we say, answer us, open up the heavens over us tonight, but we're asking that at the end of the night, you will have gotten your people back. Turn our hearts back to you, we pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said. Amen. It had been 150 years, and the question was starting to rise, when is this madness gonna stop? Are we good? 
David started in 1015 BC, 1015 BC, and from his sin, chaos subsumed the nation. And it didn't get any better with his sons, his sons who were supposed to help get the nation back on track. Solomon started out kind of well, but then ended worse than Pharaoh. And you see how far the mighty have fallen. And here we are 150 years later after David. And the people of God have crawled into bed with the devil. So far, the book of Kings has been one-sided And we hear about kings, 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 kings. You've got power and clout and political infighting and money and sexual promiscuity and godlessness and and political machinations with the, the, the leaders of the nation, Solomon taking in 700 wives and 300 concubines, basically to get the dads of those beautiful women from the other nations to not fight him. So we've heard about kings, we've heard about kings, we've heard about kings. But then the heavens close up, the heavens become like brass, and the earth is as hard as iron because we're in a drought now. Three years of drought. Because you can't keep living in broken covenant from Yahweh and your life not end up in drought. That's what this drought is meant to say. That if you raise the middle finger to heaven, if you walk away from Yahweh, if you choose to break covenant, if you think that you're gonna be the new Adam and Eve that actually succeed in taking the story into your own hands and it's gonna work out for you, you are fooling yourself. Drought is what happens when you break covenant with Yahweh. Because of their sins, the heavens have closed up and we've had these kings, we've had these kings, we've had these kings and they're fighting each other and they're, they're trying to secure their own strength. And, but now it's time for the emergence of a prophet. Sometimes you just need a good prophet to show up, someone who will pay the price, someone who will bleed, someone who's not on the royal payroll. <laughs> someone who's an impartial observer, someone who is free and free enough to tell the truth. And our one prophet, Elijah, he, he gathers the 450. You're, you're meant to see how outnumbered he is. 450 prophets of Baal, Elijah. But maybe one quick observation is that we shouldn't obsess over numbers too much. Maybe this story tells us, yeah, maybe don't worry too much about the numbers. The numbers can be deceiving. Sometimes all you need is one. Sometimes all you need is one person that's committed. Sometimes you, you just need one person with Yahweh on their side. Sometimes you just need one person who will stay up through the night fasting and praying. Sometimes you just need one parent in a house that's committed to raising kids that will follow Jesus. Sometimes all you need is one teacher in a school who will pay the price. Sometimes all you need is one nurse on that wing who's willing to pray and to intercede and to be a faithful presence. Sometimes all you need is one politician to step into a broken sometimes you need one family on a street to take over a neighborhood for the kingdom of God sometimes you just don't need to obsess about numbers too much 450 against one pay attention to the story someone who will stay with Yahweh is over the long haul more powerful than a crowd of people who are drunk on sin all you need is one But a true prophet always scares those who are committed to the status quo. 
First Kings 18, we see King Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? You're, why are you making it terrible for all of us? They've been in 150 years of just chaos. And clearly Elijah is not the problem. But a prophet scares a group of people who are committed to the status quo. You troubler of Israel, what's wrong with you? Why are you making our... I'll just say the call to a righteous life will always feel like an inconvenience in a culture built on idolatry. It will always feel like an inconvenience in a culture built on idolatry. And Elijah has work to do and the chaos has come to this critical mass and something has to break. He's created this climactic moment. It's truly a national contest. Get the nation, get the prophets, meet me on Carmel. We're gonna get this thing settled today. We're gonna, no more wavering between two opinions, no more limping along our broken systems of fake religion. There's just, we, we can't do this anymore. Today is the day where we find out who is God. <laughs> the question that Elijah wants the nation to wrestle with is who is the real God? A champion is going to be named today. There's gonna be no more confusion. There's gonna be no more playing both sides. And so we see here in the text, so Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and he assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. And Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If it's God, worship God. If it's Baal, worship Baal. And then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of my, and the God who answers by fire. Baal is the God of fertility of this age. He's the God of rain. He's the God of nature. He's the one who makes the crops grow and the herds and the children to multiply. And so we want to go to Baal because if we can get on Baal's good side, Baal will open the heavens and he'll pour down what we need and then the land will be happy and then it will yield its harvest and then the animals will get fat and then we'll kill them and then the people will get fat because we killed the fat animals and and we just need Baal on our side. That's, that was their reasoning in that day. And Yahweh, to a good Hebrew, was the eternal God who reigns over all peoples and all things and all domains and all time. He's not just this one trick pony like Baal who just kind of controls the rain and then you go sort it out with somebody else. Yahweh is a one-stop shop. He gets it all done. There's nothing that's outside of his reign and his dominion. And Elijah is a gentleman and he lets the priests of Baal go first. So you present your case, you do your thing, you create your little conference and we'll see what happens. They built both altars and they picked a choice bull and we understand what's going on. But here they are six, seven, eight hours in and nothing's happening. And have you ever gotten tired of being an idiot? I've, I've grown, I, I've ever been like in like a long stretch of just being a fool and it just gets tiring to be a fool. It gets tiring to like, at what point are we just going to go uncle? It's not working. And here they are six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours in and now they've got swords out and they're cutting themselves and they're dancing like whirling dervishes. Honestly, this is honestly what would happen and one observer of that time, a student of that time says that what was happening, there was a discordant howling uh, that opens the scene and then they rush wildly about in perfect confusion. 450 of them. 
with their heads bowed down to the ground, but always revolving in circles so that the loosened hair drags through the mire. And then they begin to bite their arms and the end they're cutting themselves with two-edged swords with a habit that they had a habit of carrying. And a new scene then opens. One of them who surpasses all the rest in frenzy begins to prophesy with sighs and groans. And Elijah's just watching them. We good? You done? Have you ever gotten tired of your foolishness? And then Elijah mocks them. Is your God busy? Is your God sleeping? Is he actually in the Hebrew? There's this very funny wordplay. Basically says, is your God off relieving himself? Is he in the restroom? Like your God stinks is what he's saying. He's mocking them. But then Elijah, once they kind of get quiet and it's Elijah's turn to step to the front, Elijah pastors the people. He gently calls them together. These are people who've been broken. These are people who have been through 150 years of chaos. And we see, then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. And then they came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. He's tender. He's saying, do you see how this altar has been torn down? Do you see how the religious life of the people of God has gone astray? And do you see what it's led us to? How's this drought working out for us? It doesn't have to be this way. He's gentle, he's quiet. He's not having to work himself into a frenzy. He's saying, are you tired of this yet? And I'll just ask this question right now. Like in our day, have we suffered enough trying to be our own gods? Have we suffered enough? Like, are we, are we just gonna keep signing up for the famine in the land that is the famine of peace? Are we gonna keep signing up for the famine in the land that is the, the famine of genuine, open-hearted communion with our brothers and sisters? Like, how's it working out for us? We're living in a famine of purpose. The streets are filled with syringes and the prisons are filled with heartbroken people and there are moving trucks filled with human beings that are dehumanized, driven across borders to, to fill the sex trade. Like, are we, can we stop? Can we stop creating these idols that we think are gonna make us happy, but just leave us like Adam and Eve driven from the garden? Tonight's a night to come back home to Yahweh and Elijah gathers the people and he speaks to them tenderly and he rebuilds the altar and he's making eye contact saying it doesn't have to be this way anymore. Come home to Yahweh. A few observations from this text. I'll put three things in front of you. As complex a text as this is, I just wanna say three simple things. First, any life lived outside of covenant with Yahweh will end in drought. Elijah is very open here. Hey, I'll be the first in line. If Baal's the guy, if Baal delivers today, if Baal's the one who makes it happen, let's go. Let's all kind of fall in line. But if Yahweh is, let's worship Yahweh. And I'll say from Genesis 3, the lie of the devil has always been a version of this. From Genesis 3, the lie of the devil to human beings has always been a version of this. God is restricting your joy. If you'll abandon him, you'll find that he's been holding out on you the whole time. 
God is hiding from you. The snake slithers up to all of us. And we've heard the word of God. Stay away from this. It will lead to death. It will lead to trouble. And the enemy snakes up to us and says, did God really say that? No, what's happening is God knows that if you partake of this, then you'll be like him. And so God is threatened and God is fragile and he's trying to keep a monopoly on his territory. And God just is like out beyond the borders. You don't even know how good it is out there. The enemy lies to us to try to get us to break covenant with God. And Adam and Eve thought they'd be getting a better garden, but what they got was exile. What they got was a life of drought. First thing is, it just doesn't work. Any life that's outside of covenant with Yahweh will end in drought. The second thing that I want you to see, sometimes the miracle takes some time. So these people have been away, they've been away, they've been away, but this prophet Elijah comes in and they see the futility of the prophets. And they they actually, like their eyes are open that day, the scales fall off and they go, we've been signing up for this chaos? When there's like a sane prophet who's here to pastor us back to Yahweh? And so they start saying yes, they start covenanting, They, 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 they worship Yahweh again because he showed fire came from heaven and and licked up all that water and burned up the calf, the bull, and they see who the true God is and they say yes that day, but, but, but the drought doesn't end right away. Sometimes the miracle takes a little bit of time. I want you to see this. In verse 42, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel after this and he bent down to the ground and he put his face between his knees. And he's got like a, an armor bearer there, a, a, a prophet's assistant, so his, his dude, his guy that he works with. And he says, go and look toward the sea. Because I've been on top of Mount Carmel. You can see the sea out there. He says, go and look toward the sea. And he went and looked up and he says, there is nothing there. And he says, go and look toward the sea seven times. Go back, go back, go back, go back. Sorry, I would not go back to that. Go to 43. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> He's like, I did. I did go back. <laughs> Growth is a real difficult one to follow. Seven times Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time the servant reported, I see a cloud as small as a man's hand and it's rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab the king, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Seven times he's on top of the mountain with his face between his knees and he's crying out to Yahweh, there's nothing. Go back, there's nothing. Go back, there's nothing. Go back, there's nothing. At what point do you just wanna quit? Yeah, Yahweh's off the job and and this whole thing doesn't work and following God and here I'm coming to church every week and I'm giving my tithes and it's just, this is trash. This thing doesn't work. Sometimes a miracle takes time. Don't quit too soon. I have a friend that says most miracles happen in slow motion. Sometimes 
You see the inbreaking hand of God, that's beautiful. Give me all of that. But it just doesn't happen all the time. I've seen it, but most of the time, miracles happen in slow motion. And Elijah keeps sending his, his guy back to look while he keeps praying. And I'll just say, don't get up off your knees too quickly. Don't stop praying too quickly. Maybe just go one more month. Maybe just keep carrying your kid into the presence of the Lord in intercession. Maybe just keep trusting. Maybe just keep repenting. Maybe just keep giving and sowing seed. And we know Galatians 6, 9, Paul says to those just afflicted believers, he says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Sometimes you pray and it looks like nothing's happening and you go sign back up and it looks like nothing's happening and then you sign back up and it looks like nothing's happening. But then there's that one mysterious day, but even then it looks as small as the size of a man's hand. It's just a little cloud coming up out of the sea, but that cloud rolls in and the rain comes and the rain comes and the rain comes and in a day Israel is out of drought after they make covenant with Yahweh it may take a little bit of time in prayer but I'm telling you at some point the heavens are going to break open and the rain is going to come do not grow weary in doing good for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not faint so maybe some of you need to hear tonight don't quit too soon. Most miracles happen in slow motion. Tonight the Lord is here to give us an extension on our endurance. Tonight the Lord is to give us strength that we can receive to to press back in one more time. The third thing that I want you to see, first any life outside of covenant with Yahweh ends in drought. Second time is sometimes a miracle just takes time. But the third thing that I want you to see, and this is the good news of the gospel, is when we finally get rid of the idolatry, the rain is going to come. I, I just know this about God. You can read the Bible and you can know this about God. I also know this about God because I've lived it and I've watched it and I've paid attention and I'm a student of the human condition and I've watched people live their own story and try to be their own God and worship the, at the, the idols, the, the altar of the idols and I've watched their life go into drought. But anyone who will fall on, on their knees before Yahweh and repent, I promise you the trajectory is flourishing. The trajectory is the heavens open and the rain comes and life bounces back. The rain will finally come when we put our idols away. I wanna show you this picture of the top of Mount Carmel. Carmel means vineyard of God. <laughs> vineyard of God. It's, I mean, there are some really arid places around this region, but Carmel is not one of them. This is lush and, and, and foliage everywhere. There's a, this exuberant explosion of life at Carmel, which is to say, like, if you climb the mountain of God and if you repent and if you live before him, this is where your story is headed. The rain is gonna come and your life will flourish. It may take some time, don't give up, but I promise you, your life will end up lush. Your life will end up fruitful. Your life will end up abundant and exuberant. If you will worship Yahweh, your life will be the vineyard of God and your life will take on a story. Your life will not be a story of drought. By the end, he will bring you back to a fertile place where life 
can happen for other people. Flourishing will come again to those who are truly repentant. And so tonight, with so many things that could be said about this text, I want you to remember that any life outside of covenant with Yahweh is going to be a drought. I want you to remember that as you return, there's just certain things, certain processes that will take time, but the miracle is on the way. But I promise you, your life will end up flourishing if you stay with Yahweh. So what I want to do tonight is create a moment of response. I preached a shorter message so we could have some time here to respond. As the band comes, I want you to start thinking about what the Spirit is asking of you tonight. And would you ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you? What do I need to hear? What do I need to do? What's the response? What are you asking of me, Holy Spirit? I think the first order of business is repentance. Repentance, we often think of repentance as some heavy, dark, ominous word. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Repentance is a joy word. (laughs) Repent. Because you can't do it on your own and it doesn't work when we try. But when we repent, if we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repentance is the turning of the page. It's the rearrangement of a life. It's the beginning of a new moment. So tonight, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. It can be small stuff relatively. It can be massive stuff. But all of us need to come home to Yahweh tonight and ask him to forgive us and to cleanse us and to heal us. And so as the band begins to play, would you just begin to call on heaven? Would you talk to Yahweh? We teach our kids in our house that There are three little phrases that will make your life beautiful if you will say them. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. And so it is with Yahweh. He's not mad at you. The devil would love for you to think that coming back home to say that is unsafe. It's just not true. He's the father on the front porch that sees you from a long way off. And he comes running. My daughter. My son. So tonight, would you just start with, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Would you ask the Spirit to heal you tonight? Many of us carry deep wounds. Some of them were done to us. God can heal that. Some of them we have done to other people. God can heal that. So would you invite the Holy Spirit to address the deepest areas of the brokenness that you're aware of? God, heal me. God, anoint me with the oil of gladness tonight. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Would you, would you just invite him to heal you tonight? Would you invite him to teach you to hate what is evil? 
Scripture says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And so, Lord, we ask that here at New Life Friday night, we would be people that just hate what is evil, that we don't have a taste for it anymore, that you would remove that from us, that you would change our palate and make us love what is good, we pray. Can you ask God to open the heavens again where there has been drought? Maybe drought in a relationship. Lord, open the heavens tonight. Send rain, send rain, send rain. Maybe it's the business. God, send rain, send rain, send rain. Maybe it's your mental health. Send rain, Lord, send rain, send rain. Maybe it's your physical health in your body. You need, the, you need the renewal of the Lord in your body. Lord, heal our bodies tonight. Can, can we just kind of turn this into a prayer meeting? I hate to think that you would think that I got to do this for Like, God, we need you. If Yahweh is God, serve him. And so tonight, Lord, we say we want to serve you again. We want to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind and with all of our strength. Church, would you stand with me tonight if you're able? What hit me this week about this story that I've never seen, I've been in church 41 years, I've read this story a thousand times. What I never saw is that Elijah gathered the people and he spoke tenderly to them. The other prophets were frantic. Elijah goes, hey, let's rebuild the altar. Let's worship again. Let's serve him again. He was gracious and pastoral. So friends tonight, I hope you hear the invitation of God to come back home and to worship him. And so before we receive communion, I want these words of confession to come up on the screen. It's important to pray individually, Lord, I repent and Lord, heal me and Lord, I'm sorry. But there's something about praying corporately. Lord, we, most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you. And Lord, would you send us out of here as a congregation filled with your righteousness. So these words are gonna be on the screen. They're basically lifted out of Psalm 51 from David's prayer of confession after he'd sinned. So would you join me in praying these words by saying, most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name and all God's people said, amen, Amen, friends, the announcement of the gospel is if any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And that God is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Friends, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so I say to you tonight, welcome home. 
I say to you tonight, welcome to the altar of God. I say to you tonight, if you will worship him, your life will flourish. I say to you tonight, don't quit too soon because the miracle's on the way. As our communion servers come, we're gonna worship the Lord here. We've got plenty of time. And I want us to open our hearts. I want us to be exuberant in our worship and our praise here. As the communion servers come, what we'll do is we'll move through the room. If you're not physically able, tap your neighbor. They'll bring you some extra communion elements. But what we're gonna do is worship, get the communion elements, go back to your seat, and we'll worship, and I'll come back here in just a minute and receive together.
Anybody have a testimony in the room that God never fails? Anybody have history with Jesus that he never fails and he never will? I know deep down in my soul. Yeah, rain came. This is how I know. That rain came and wind blew in my house. Come on, declare it, church. Come on. And I'm Christ is my firm foundation. He's the rock on when every yeah. never been. I've never thank you, God. That I put my faith in Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful. So I would be fair now. He won't. When you have drought, you don't have bread. When you have drought, you don't have wine. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And what he's saying is, if you stay with me, you're going to eat. <laughs> if you stay with me, you're going to have joy. I promise you, you can live in a world of famine. If you're with me, you're going to eat and drink and you're going to be glad. And so Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he looks us in the eyes as he did his disciples. And he said, this is my body. Think about this. On Mount Carmel, it was a bull. 
On the mountain just outside of Jerusalem, it was the Son of God himself that was the sacrifice. And his body was broken so that we could be made whole. Just There's, there's storylines all through here. And Jesus is the key to the story. If you stay with Jesus, you have what you need. If you stay with Jesus, you're forgiven. If you stay with Jesus, you have everlasting life. So Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it. Would you break that little wafer tonight? And just begin to call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. (laughs) Master, Savior, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Jesus gives you the bread tonight. And he says, every time you do this, remember me. Friends, you can receive the bread. On the night he was betrayed, he took the cup of wine. And he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood. And it's given for the remission of all your sins. Friends, tonight... What we bring to the table has been taken care of. It's being washed away. It's being forgotten. Jesus bore it so that we could be clean. Your sins have been forgiven you. You may drink the cup.
picture that I have as we were worshiping there is all of us together as a congregation rebuilding the altar of worship. But also when we go home and as we live our lives throughout the week, in our own ways, rebuilding the altar of worship before the Lord, I promise you we will not regret living in the presence of God. And so, Lord, we pray that you would make us those who worship you with all of our heart. We pray every idol would fall tonight. Every cheap imitation would fall tonight. Every fake affection would fall tonight. And that we would rise as true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. Would you open your hands to receive the blessing? I pray, may the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people and may he grant you shalom tonight, his peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? Good, good, good night in the house of the Lord. Before you leave, I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If any of you have extended prayer needs, please let us know. We would love to agree with you. If you're new, come see us at Guest Central in the back. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Much love.